I'm, I'm switching the order of things a bit today. Uh, it had been my intention for several weeks to do my annual sermon next Sunday with the regular part two of the annual meeting. But as I've been preparing uh, messages for Pentecost, I really felt impressed that there were four things I needed to say uh, in that sequence uh, from the scriptures. And so I thought it'd be best if I started that on the 7th and went 7, 14, 21, 28 to Pentecost and not have the annual sermon in the middle of it. So I'm moving my annual sermon forward to today and then we'll preach a four sermon sequence uh, to Pentecost starting next Sunday. There'll be a variety of pieces of that uh, next Sunday morning. So this morning I'd like to bring to you my annual sermon. This is one part preaching, one part vision casting, and one part accountability. It is both a report of what has gone before and a call to action for the days ahead. I hope you will jot down any questions you have as I proceed so we can talk about them in the days ahead. The world in which we minister together is a scary place in many respects. There is war in many places. And there is the general feeling that we are not as safe as we were 10 years ago. The nuclear threat from Russia and North Korea makes one think that we're back in the 1970s all over again. Refugees are on the move on every continent except Antarctica. The American culture is being torn apart by issues of racism, gender confusion, the devaluing of the sanctity of life, corruption and violence in every sector. Financial markets are less than stable and climate change and governmental oversight are hotly debated. As a community, things feel unstable and the future seems uncertain. Of course, the instability of the society around us has absolutely no impact on the life-giving news of the kingdom of God. Jesus has given himself for us and reigns from his throne. He intercedes for us and sends the Holy Spirit to empower us to live for him. We ought to, no matter what the surroundings say, be the most optimistic people in our entire community. But if we're honest with ourselves, we must often admit that we are not always that. The weight of the issues that surround us, along with the personal struggles that come to all of us, weigh us down more than they should. Many Christians have abandoned their Christian communities and some even their faith. I'd like to make an observation from scripture at this point. This is John 20, 24. But Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. 
Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. When I spoke about this passage recently, I emphasized the fact that Jesus did not leave Thomas behind. That's an important point. Jesus never abandons us. And even if at times we have doubts and questions, and even if those questions linger for a long time, Jesus is still present and still available to us, seeking us, anxious to embrace us. But there's another significant truth hidden in these verses, in this passage, that we've just heard that we should recognize. Even though Thomas has a period of doubting, he remains faithful to the community. Do you see it now? The next week, the text says, the week after Jesus appeared to his disciples and Thomas was not present, the next week, though Thomas did not believe yet that Jesus was risen, he still joins the disciples as they gather. He's faithful to his friends. And in the expression of that faithfulness, that faithfulness to his community of friends, he encounters Jesus again. I believe strongly that when we are faithful to the fellowship, good things happen. When we enrich the bonds that tie us together, we grow stronger together. When we have dark periods of testing or when we are lost in doubt or fear, stay faithful to the fellowship. The fellowship can support us until we find our way again. Jesus works through the fellowship to provide what we need. That is why I'm so skeptical when folks tell me that they don't really need to worship at church to be Christian. The truth is, there is likely coming a day, a day of difficulty, when you will need every resource available to survive and to thrive. And the fellowship, the body of Christ, is the primary resource for those who are traveling to the place that Jesus has prepared for us. We need each other, and God uses our fellowship to make us strong and to equip us for the tasks that he assigns to us. Let me talk this morning about the details of our fellowship over the past 12 months. As a measure of accountability, we will publish booklets next Sunday that include a full financial disclosure as well as reports from the different departments and ministries of the church. It's a candid snapshot of what God is doing through MCN. I'd be pleased to have you take a copy and read through it. This morning, I will offer some highlights from the past year. Easter is often the first Christian holiday of the fiscal year. Our celebration was full, including communion and baptism, where Jay, Christian, and Michael were baptized. Pentecost followed soon after, and we celebrated in style, red style. The summer was full of outings that attempted to bring families together, trips to orchards, pool parties, picnics, a memorable baseball game in Hartford. Our eighth annual block party was successful in August. Our new school year, Cornerstone Christian School, began with a few less students than we wanted, but we did have a full faculty and staff. That was a major answer to prayer as we had six positions to fill, the highest level of turnover in many years. 
We continued the Wednesday night program once September started with meals, classes, and prayer. Usually between 35 and 50 people attended each week. Faith Promise with the Ayers from Papua New Guinea was encouraging, and the community prayer services we organized each month were well supported by various churches in our town. Advent brought the communal reading of Preparing for Jesus by Walter Wangerin, our annual Advent banquet, and a children's program to remember. It was a wonderful thing to see our kids presenting the gospel story to us. Celebrating Christmas on a Sunday morning is always a highlight. We moved our worship service into the lobby, created craft and activity centers for families, had some Christmas edibles on the coffee bar, gathered the children for a reading of Humphrey the Camel, sang carols and worship songs and prayed. It was a wonderful morning, joyful and celebratory. We also once again created holiday food baskets for families in need, just as we do during the Thanksgiving season. New Year's Eve was a game night, and the relaunching of our Wednesday night program began mid-January. The beginning of Lent was marked with a sacred assembly on Ash Wednesday, where we gathered to read scripture together, pray, receive communion, and seal prayers under the altar. During Lent, we enjoyed the preaching of upstate New York District Superintendent Dr. Olivia Metcalf, our spiritual deepening week preacher this year. Corporately, we read through Reliving the Passion and used a staff-generated prayer book for the season. We celebrated Holy Week in partnership with the local Salvation Army, culminating in an early morning service in the downtown park on Easter Sunday morning. It may be that I enjoyed preaching in the park as much as anywhere all year. There's something very special about proclaiming the resurrection in the middle of the public square. Accomplishing all of this took a great horde of volunteers and workers. I've done my best to say thank you to all the workers in the booklet that will be published next week. But there are just a few I would like to mention this morning. There are some worker bees who support every event and continually look for opportunities to help. They defy categories. They are right-hand men and women. Thank you, Rick and Sandy, Bob and Mary Beth, Aaron and Martha, Sharon and Phyllis. There are also four individuals who work as congregational leaders, often behind the scenes, upon whom I continually rely. George Ignayan, Tanya Snyder, Donna Corbeil, and Robert Cornell. Thank you. Since 2011, we have annually awarded a Vessel of Honor Award. This recognition is based on faithfulness over many years to the cause of the kingdom of Christ. Unfortunately, there were two years in which we did not hold regular annual meetings due to COVID. So I want to catch up a little this morning. For 2023, I would like to invite these two to come forward at this time to hear the citation. If you would just stand here before the altar, Hannah Laura Jensen and Uta Barkowski. Would you two please come and stand here? Just stand right there and face me, if you will. The Holy Spirit of God shapes and molds his people in wonderful ways. After many years of service and seeking, we expect that persons who are following God will take on the character of Christ. We identify these people among us so that we can encourage others to follow their examples, just as the Apostle Paul encouraged those around him to imitate his lifestyle. 
We affirm that all those who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are already his saints, but the journey of increasing holiness brings greater usefulness, greater fulfillment, and greater effectiveness for service in the kingdom of God. There are times when we step back from the process, turn our eyes on some of God's choicest servants, and marvel at what God has done. We understand that all those who provide winsome leadership to us have God alone to thank for the work he has done in them. Still, there is always cooperation with grace and a measure of sacrifice involved in order to evidence the fruit of the Spirit. Today, we are looking at Hanalora and Uta and proclaiming them to be vessels of honor in the house of the Lord. You have served your Savior for many years, and you are an outstanding examples of what it means to be a prayerful, accepting, encouraging, and supportive leader in the Church of Jesus Christ. We are grateful to God for you, and we give God glory for the work he has accomplished through you in front of our eyes. We commend you as an example of Christian holiness to our children and teens, and pray that God will bless you all the days of your life. You get to choose one each if you would come. Everything I read, I wrote right here. There you go. Pick one. What would you like? Pick, pick one. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I want to add two more vessel of honors, one each for 2020 and 2021, the years we did not have annual meetings. I want to name Joe Brand no longer with us as a vessel of honor. Had we had an annual meeting that year, we would have named her then. So Joe Brand will be added to the role of those who are vessels of honor recipients. And for 2020, I want to call Fran Blaney forward. Fran has served the Lord for many years and is a passionate evangelist about the saving grace of our Lord. Statistically, We've averaged 88 in morning worship, not counting online viewers in that number. All told, we raised about $420,000 in tithes and offerings, paid in full all our obligations, including our partners in Christian education, missions, and regional church advancement. Tithing is the key to our success in this area. We believe that God calls us to give 10% of our income to the church to advance his kingdom. As we do this, the church meets its obligation and works to see God's kingdom come in our neighborhoods. We continue to call all of you to tithe, not just for the sake of the kingdom, but for your own spiritual health as well. Tithers grow in grace and generosity. Tithers prove that God provides. Tithers rely on God for everything, and as we know, God does provide. Our facility has been well-tended, and many upgrades have been completed. Details are in the booklet, but thanks to all who helped complete the many projects. 
there will continue to be many projects associated with our campus. And the year ahead will require participation from all of us if we are going to leave the legacy of this building in good condition for future generations. We shouldn't forget how important our physical property is to the continuing ministry of the church and our community. We have been given a great gift by those who came before us. These facilities enable many ministries and create opportunities for us. Together, we must shoulder the load to keep the place in good shape because that is part of what it means to anticipate the new thing that God is doing. It seems to me that Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 is the verse I keep coming back to as an anchor in these times. I believe these words are prophetic for us. Isaiah 43, 18. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What must we do in the coming year to see the new thing that God will do among us and through us? Of course, we will need to tend our own spiritual development. Everything begins with our commitment to Christ and our increasing ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. We will need to bind the fellowship together so that we can serve as an ark of safety for believers and for those who are still to begin their journey of faith. We will need to resist the cultural tendency toward violent and caustic expression and practice kindness to everyone. Without modeling the grace of Christ to others, we have no ability to witness to his grace among us. And we will also have to reconsider the ways in which we will follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom of God advance in our area and in our community. It is my intention to speak to each of these goals in the next four weeks leading up to Pentecost, tending our spiritual development, binding the fellowship together, practicing kindness to everyone, and thinking deeply about what it means for us to see God's kingdom come in our community. On Pentecost Sunday this year, I will reflect on what it means to be a part of a congregation that has been faithfully worshiping God here for 125 years. Think of it, 125 years, God has been meeting his people here, forgiving, shaping, leading, providing, 125 years. We should be the most optimistic and grateful people on the planet given all that God has done for us. And it is my prayer that out of the abundance of our gratitude, our joy would overflow in the coming year and that we will become more deeply united than ever before so that we can see 
his kingdom come to our community. Thank you for the opportunity to serve as your pastor for these past 12 years. Respectfully submitted, Dan Whitney. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace for this hour, for the work that you're accomplishing, and by your spirit, lead us into the year to come. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. And now may we serve the King of Kings acceptably in the new year. And may he receive glory through all that we do, now and always. Amen.